If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? If you don't have a Bible, we do have red ones available in the pews, uh, chairs in front of you. And if you are going to use one of these red Bibles, it is on page 473. We are continuing our uh, summer series on discipleship. And this series is called School of Grace, Learning at the Feet of Jesus. And each week we've been learning from Jesus, what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean for our lives to reflect uh, his character? What does it mean to embody his grace? And so we're learning from him, what does it mean to be a disciple? And we're continuing this week in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, where um, Jesus is up on a, a mountainside giving his famous Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon that he gives is about what does it mean to be a participant in the kingdom of God? What does it mean to have your life reflect kingdom values? And in the heart of this sermon, he pauses and he starts talking about prayer. Because prayer is one of those essential things about being a disciple. And so let's read this passage, and then we'll talk about uh, and learn from Jesus as he teaches us how to pray. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in, sorry, who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful that you hear us. We do pray in the preaching of your word that you would be exalted, that your son would be magnified, and that through your spirit we would be shaped into your disciples. So and now I pray, Lord, that your word would be clear. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Everybody prays. That's the conclusion I've come to. Everyone prays. Christians pray. Jews pray. Muslims pray. They they even pray five times a day. Um, Buddhists and Hindus, uh, they, they pray, they meditate, they try to connect with this transcendent divine being. Young people pray, old people pray. I love it when kids pray. Everyone prays. Even atheists pray. 
I read a, a study this week that said one in five non-religious people pray. 20% of non-religious people pray. And I was wondering, who are they praying to? In moments of crisis, they might cry out, help. Who are they asking help from? Or, or in great moments of joy, they might say, thank you, God? I'm always curious, like, who are they praying to? But I think it's true. Everyone prays. It's, even when we see atheists praying, it's this realization that we all have this intrinsic longing to speak to our creator, whether you believe he exists or not. Everybody prays. And we pray about a lot of stuff. Like, we, we pray for healing when someone we know or we're sick or hurting. We, we pray for clarity when sort of the steps in front of us are foggy. We pray for uh, thanksgiving when we're thankful for what God has given us. We pray for so many things. We pray a whole bunch. I mean, when I was a kid, um, my extended family is here. I didn't know that when I was writing the sermon. But when my family would get together, we would Pray prayers, sometimes prayers that I didn't even, you know, everyone else had to memorize, but I didn't know what they were as a kid. Uh, maybe for you, you grew up around the dinner table or at nighttime praying together with your family. In church, I learned prayers. Maybe you did too. Everyone prays. We pray about a lot of stuff. Even in our service, we pray. We, we confess our sin we, we pray before the word is preached. We pray after the word is preached. We pray as we celebrate communion. We pray together as a church for the needs that we have as a church. But I do wonder if in our such regular repetition of prayer, we've sort of lost the power of prayer. Imagine for a moment you go to a friend's house for the first time, and they happen to live near a railroad track. And as you're talking with your friend and enjoying your time with them, uh, you begin to feel the ground shake a little bit, and your glass of water starts shaking. And then there's this slow roar that begins to fill the room. And then all of a sudden, the train goes past, and you jump out of your seat. You say, what is that? And your friend's like, what? What are you talking about? The, what is that noise? Oh, that's the train. I, I guess I just hear it all the time every day that I've put it out. I've ignored it. I wonder if we do that with prayer. I mean, this idea that God, the God of the universe, has given us this invitation to come into his throne room and to speak to him about what is on our hearts. How, how do we not... Just get so wrapped up in the amazement of that. I think we've lost some of that wonder and awe. Maybe this morning that's not where you're at. Maybe this morning you're coming in and you're like, oh, we're going to talk about prayer, really? I, mean, I just, I don't even think prayer works. I mean, I've prayed for this and God didn't show up. I, I prayed for healing, but they didn't get better. I prayed for doors to open and they were closed. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I felt and heard that deafening sound of silence. Maybe this morning that's you. Well, in our passage, unfortunately, Jesus is not going to lay out a theology of prayer 
And he's not going to answer every one of our objections and questions. But instead, Jesus is inviting us in this explanation to realize that prayer is an invitation to experience an intimate relationship with God. Prayer is an invitation to experience an intimate relationship with God. That's what Jesus wants us to learn about prayer today. That we can come into the presence of God and talk to him. And so if you're a note taker this morning, real simple, two points, the wrong way to pray and the right way to pray. That's what Jesus is going to teach us. What is the wrong way to pray and what's the right way to pray? Let's look at that. First, what is the wrong way to pray? Look with me at verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Jesus is describing Two instances in which hypocrites or people uh, are out praying and their deepest desire is to be seen by others. The first instance, he says, these hypocrites, they like to pray in the synagogue. And what Jesus is saying is back in in those days, um, a synagogue was kind of like a church, a Jewish church, where people would gather together on a weekly basis and hear from the Old Testament, sing songs, and pray. And at times, certain individuals were invited to come up front, kind of like where I'm at, turn around and pray, and lead the rest of the people in prayer. And Jesus is saying, there are some people who desire that position, not because they want to pray, but because they want other people to see them praying. And the other instance uh, is on the street corners. In, in those days, there were three set times a day for the Jewish people to come and pray. They'd either pray where they were at, pray at home, or pray at the synagogue three times a day, kind of like Muslims today have five times a day where they would pray. And when we were living in India, uh, in, a, in a part of the community where it was largely Muslim, if you've ever been in a majority Muslim area, you, you'll know this. During those five times, there's a, a call to prayer that goes out from the towers connected to the mosques. On a loudspeaker, someone will call the people to prayer. And there's always a call five minutes before the time to pray. And that first invitation is saying, all right, get yourself ready. Stop what you're doing. Go prepare your your prayer rug. Get ready to pray. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, when that time came to pray for this hypocrite, all he wanted to do was find the most public spot in the street so that everyone could look at him and see how pious he was. Jesus says, don't pray like these hypocrites. All they want is for people to see them. They don't care about praying. They don't care about whether God sees them. All they care about is what other people think about them. That word hypocrite in the Greek language, it comes from a word that means to put on a mask or to play a part in a play. Because in those days, they wouldn't dress up and they'd add to their costume these masks that would fill out the character. 
And so a hypocrite was someone who put on a mask and performed a role. It wasn't really who they were. They were behind that mask. He's saying these people, all they care about is what people see in them. All they care about is what people think about them. And he says, don't do that. Now today, we don't have call to prayers. I don't think any of us really has a desire to come up front here so everyone sees you. I mean, I'm okay with it, but I, I know people are a little shy. I don't think anyone wants to go to the corner of Mayfield and Lander next to our sign and have everyone see us praying. Like, that's not really our temptation. But I do think that we have this internal desire for wanting people to like what they see in us. Does everyone have, like, an Instagram account? Or, or Facebook or, I don't know, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is. Like, one of the reasons why we have those services is because we want to take pictures and share them with other people because we want other people to see what our life looks like. And in general, that's fine. Like, it's okay to take a picture of your food and show people what you're eating. I don't know why. But there's this internal desire where we want people to think a certain way about us. And so we post pictures, and we think that that's what people think about us. This morning, uh, I was flipping through my Instagram feed just to see what, what do I post. 22 pictures in my feed, are of books that I'm reading or have read. 22 times I took a picture of a book, whether it was like the spine or the cover or a quote, and I put it out there for the world to see. Not primarily because I wanted you guys to read the book, but primarily because I wanted you all to know I was reading those books. Like there's this desire within me that I want people to think a certain way about me. And I think if I show them that I'm reading this book, they'll think a certain way about me. What about you? Like, what do you put out into the world with that desire? This is what I want the world to think about me. Sometimes I even will post my Bible out and my journal and my prayer and my cup of coffee. I want the world to see that I'm praying. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness in front of other people. You will have no reward from your Father in heaven if you do that. So that's the first hypocrite. He's pretending to be someone he's not. He's putting out a projection of himself that he wants the world to think about himself. And Jesus says, do not pray like that. Because if we pray as hypocrites to one another, that just exposes the fact that when we pray to God, we're being a hypocrite with him too. Like if we're praying in such a way that we're putting on a mask, when we go to the Father, we've got that mask on too. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Take off that mask when you come to the Father. Be true to who you are. Be real about your needs. Be honest about your struggles. Be genuine about your feelings. 
God isn't like your friends on Instagram. He wants to know who you really are. And so pray like that. So that's the first way Jesus says don't pray. Don't pray like the hypocrites. And then secondly, he says in uh, verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Do not be like these Gentiles who think they will be heard for their many words. Jesus is saying, and there are some people who when they pray, they try to coerce God into acting in their favor. They, they try to sort of manipulate God to act in their favor, to get God to do what they want him to do. And the way that they do that, Jesus says, there's two ways that they do that. Through empty phrases, sorry, empty phrases and many words. And when Jesus says empty phrases, he's has in mind this kind of prayer that there's this disconnect between the words that you say and the heart behind it. It's empty. There's no weight behind what he's saying, what they're saying. These empty phrases are things that maybe they're memorized, maybe they're written, maybe you've heard them long ago. They're just empty. Jesus is saying, don't try to use those empty phrases to get God to do something for you. Have you, ever, have you ever said something like over and over again over the course of time and, um, and, and after a while it begins to lose sort of the feeling or the, the power behind it? Um, growing up in grade school, we would start every day with the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I, I was a public school, I don't know if you had that too, but that's what we did in grade school. We would start every day with the Pledge of Allegiance. Every day we'd stand up, uh, we'd turn to the flag, and we'd say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We said that every day, every morning, five days a week, 30-something weeks a year, for five years in grade school. That, that very quickly became empty words. Very quickly lost any kind of meaning behind it for me. I, I wonder if sometimes we pray like that. That we just go through the motions and say things without realizing what it is that we're actually saying. They become simple words with no weight behind them. Jesus says, do not pray in that way. Do not use repetition. Do not use uh, empty words to try to get God to do what you want him to do because there is a disconnect between what you say and what your heart is feeling. Let me just say real quickly, though, like Jesus is not prohibiting memorized prayers. He's not prohibiting reading written out prayers. I mean, the Lord's prayer that he's going to give us is just that. He wants us to pray that prayer. He's not against that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, 
on the night before Jesus dies. He is in the garden praying. And the Gospels tell us that he prayed the same thing three times. Jesus isn't against repetition or memorized prayers. He is against empty phrases. Don't pray like that. And, and don't pray with many words. N not that it's wrong to have many words or to have a long prayer. He's saying, don't think that you're going to convince God to do what you want him to do because your vocabulary is so great. Don't think that if you just kept on praying longer and longer and longer and longer that you will tire God out and then he'll move on your behalf. No. Jesus wants us to see that we can come to God with simple words, with, with understandable words, and just let him know what's going on. When our firstborn, Theo, uh, was born. I remember that those first days, I mean, everything changed in our lives. And so it's like seared in my memory. Like our routines changed. I didn't sleep for a week. And, and there was now another person to take care of. Uh, but I remember so vividly, like everything about that first week and, and all of the little things that Theo would do, everything that he would say or sound out, it was it was beautiful. Even his crying was just like music to my ears. And I was so, I loved it. I, I would listen and try to figure out, what is he trying to say? Like, what is he trying to communicate in that time? He'd make these cooing sounds, and I, I convinced myself that there was one coo sound that he would do over and over again where he was saying, I love you. He probably wasn't, but I really wanted him to be saying that. I, I took that sound as I love you because I loved him. And I just wanted to hear from him. I just wanted to connect with him. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter what kinds of words you say. It doesn't matter how long you're talking. What matters is do you have a relationship with the one that you're talking to? It doesn't matter if you've got a huge vocabulary or you can barely figure out what to say. What Jesus says is, go to your father and just tell him what's on your heart. He listens to you. He does. So don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't put on a show. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. Stop thinking about what other people think about you. And, and don't go to God trying to convince him to work in your favor by long prayers of many words. Go to him and just pray. That's the wrong way to pray. So now let's ask, what's the right way to pray? What does Jesus teach us is the right way to pray? And I'm, in, I'm indebted to pastor and theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones who wrote on the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically in this passage, helped me understand how to figure out what Jesus is actually saying. He says that the essence of prayer is that we are approaching God. The essence of prayer is that we are coming into the presence of God. And so everything else that Jesus has to teach us comes under that umbrella, that we are welcomed into the very presence of God. And Lloyd-Jones says that in order to do that, in order to understand what does it mean to go into the presence of God, we have to do three things. 
we have to exclude, we have to realize, and we have to have confidence. We have to exclude, we have to realize, and we have to have confidence. What does he mean we have to exclude? First, if we're going to approach the presence of God, we need to go through the process of exclusion. This is what Jesus says in verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret. This shut the door, go into your room, it was probably a reference to an inner chamber in the house. Probably the only room in the complex that had a lock because you would keep things in there and store them there. It was in the middle of the house, no windows. You couldn't see who was around. He says, go there, exclude yourself from everyone else and pray to your father. Cut everything else out. Clear your mind. Exclude anything that you think other people are thinking about you and come to your father. Jesus isn't saying don't pray in public. Clearly, Jesus did that. He's saying rather pray in secret. You can pray in secret whether you're alone or with other people. You can pray in secret when you're with your family around the dinner or here at church in the company of God's people. To pray in secret is to exclude from your mind and your heart any thought of what other people are thinking of you. Any thought or worry about how you're presenting yourself to others. But come into the presence of God and know that he sees you behind that mask, behind whatever performance you're trying to play. Take it off and come to him. He sees in secret. He knows who you are, and he wants to hear from you. So we have to exclude. But we also have to realize. Realize what? Well, we have to realize who it is that we're talking to. We, we have to realize who it is that we are actually approaching. It is God, God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, the one who spoke everything into being, who spun the galaxies and holds everything together with his hands, the one who sits on the throne above all powers and authorities and rulers, the one who is perfectly loving, absolutely holy, most just and most merciful. He is rich in mercy and love. This is God Almighty, sovereign over everything in the world and sovereign over you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your life. He knows what you're going through. But he's not just that. He's also our Father. Three times in this passage, Jesus says, pray to your Father. The God Almighty, the one above everything, is our Father. Do you realize that? Do you know that in the core of your being, that because of Jesus, 
And because of what he has done to forgive us our sins and to bring us into the family of God, God is our Father. And so we can go to him and pray to him. He loves us. He loves us so much. He knows what we need to pray for even before we pray it. That's what Jesus says in verse 8. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. What joy. I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. He says, oh, that we would realize this. If only we realize that this almighty God is our father through the Lord Jesus Christ. If only we realize that we are indeed his children. So that whenever we pray, it is like a child going to its father. He knows all about us. He knows our every need before we tell him. As the father cares for a child and looks at the child, he is concerned about the child. He anticipates the needs of the child. So is God with respect to all of those who are in Christ Jesus. He desires to bless us far more than we desire to be blessed. Do you realize that he is our father? Let's go to him in prayer. Finally, after we exclude the things of this world, after we realize that we are going to our father, we are to come with confidence. We are to approach him with confidence, praying with confidence like a child who knows his father's love. You can see that we've only scratched the surface of what Jesus has to teach us about prayer, but, and I, I wish I could spend more time looking at the Lord's Prayer itself, but it really deserves its own sermon series. But just look at the first line. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. Our Father. In those days, it, it was common to understand God as some vague father of Israel. But this was groundbreaking for Jesus to say, you, you can go to God as your father, your Abba, your daddy. The way that a child runs up to his dad or her dad, run to your father with that kind of confidence. He isn't an absent father. He isn't too busy for you. He's not on his phone when you want to talk to him. He doesn't have the game on and wants to ignore you. He doesn't stay late at work every night. He doesn't hurt you. He doesn't blow up at you. He doesn't lose his temper. You don't have to walk on eggshells around him. He will never lie to you. He'll keep his word. This father loves you perfectly. Jesus says, come to him like that. Prayer is an invitation to come with childlike faith and confidence to approach the one who loves you, the God of the universe, yeah, but your father. Come to him. He invites us to take off the mask, to come with all that we are, no hiding, 
is an invitation to experience deep intimacy. So how do we do that? Like, how is that even possible? How do we come with that kind of confidence? We have to be part of his family. We have to be part of God's family. We have to be welcomed in by God's son, Jesus. Our our assurance of forgiveness reminded us of that. That before trusting in Jesus, we were slaves to sin. We, We had another master. We were dead in those sins. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. A life that you and I could never live on our own. He died in our place on the cross. It was our sin that held him there. He died so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be bought into a new family. His blood was the price paid to redeem us out of slavery and be welcomed into a new family. So now through faith in Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. The Holy Spirit dwelling on us, filling our hearts with that sound, Abba, Father, Daddy. If you are part of that family of God through Jesus, do you realize, do you have confidence that God is your Father? This morning, if if you're joining us here or listening online and you're not yet a Christian and haven't yet experienced that, maybe you have found yourself praying, God help. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You don't even know what you're saying. Would you consider who that person is that you cry out to when crises come your way? Would you consider what is it in your heart that you're longing for? You want someone to respond and say, I'm here. Consider Jesus, and through him, you can know the love of a father who hears you. But this morning, if you are a Christian and you are part of that family of God, maybe prayer is hard. Maybe it's because you've had unanswered prayers, or or maybe because You've been praying every day of your life, and it's become an empty phrase. This morning, Jesus teaches us that prayer is an invitation to come and experience an intimate relationship with our Father. Would you consider what that means? To experience his love in a new way. Thomas Goodwin a 17th century Puritan pastor, writer, he tells a story about one day he was walking down the road and he saw up ahead of him a father and a son walking. And he was a little further back and so he didn't know what they were saying, but suddenly, all of a sudden, the father turned to the son, scooped him up, brought him in close, kissed him, and said, I love you. His held him there for a minute and then put him down and they continued on their way. And and Goodwin asks, was that son more loved 
on the ground or in his arms? Well, the answer is he was always loved. Like on the ground, objectively, legally, he was always the son. But when his father scooped him up and held him in close, subjectively, experientially, that son experienced the love of his father in a unique way. Friends, prayer, prayer is an invitation to be swept up into the loving embrace of our father, to experience his joy, to feel his love. That's what prayer is. Let's do it. Let's pray.